Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Mike Litton. Mike started his career at P&G in brand management and can probably do laundry better than anyone you know. He led marketing at five companies, including Best Buy, Farmers Insurance, and eBay. Mike hosts a podcast called CMO Confidential, an unfiltered 360-degree view of the chief marketing officer position, the most dangerous job in business. He's committed to helping companies and CMOs get the most out of their marketing. Thanks so much for joining me today, Mike. Diane, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thrilled to have you here. So um, you talk about um, this sales overnight, brand over time. And I'm wondering if you could explain that to the listeners, please. Sure. So so I guess when I think about it, and I, I think this is universal for our businesses, big or small, um, and, and I think this is a super important thing for who's ever running the business and also the marketer, which is to succeed, you need to drive the sales that at least meet your financial goals this year, but you need to set up for the long term so that you are winning this year and setting up to win next year because there's a lot of times pressure in business to just make all the sales this year and not invest in the future. Or sometimes just everybody's really focused on the future and they forget they have to make today's sales. So I think when I when I think about it, I'll tell my teams, we have to make this year's plan, but we also have to set up how we're going to make next year's plan. And brand is my view of how are we going to play in this very competitive game in the marketplace? And that's the brand over time. And, and there's components, I think, that are, are really important to the brand. Will you talk about what some of those components are, please? Sure. Uh, in my mind, there's probably four key components. Um, and the first is is really, what is your brand? Like, what do you do? How do you do it? And are you consistently doing it? So the brand is really an offer to do something. And then people portray that brand in their head as that brand provides a service or a value to them. And so my goal is always to have a very, very consistent brand um, in a way that that the consumer knows what they're buying. And, and for example, at Best Buy, it was going to, at the time, the most fun place to shop. And we were going to make technology and entertainment fun and easy to use. Um, and we tried to deliver on that all the time. The second thing after you have kind of this is what I am offering you as a customer is how the customer experience, and that's every time you touch the customer from all your marketing to your customer service to your call-in, and that is the, is the process of interfacing with that brand helpful to you and pleasant? You can think of a lot of times when it's not, and I will just yeah. throw out Comcast and potentially AT&T as examples for that, where it's just not that great. <laughs> 
And so while you might like the actual benefit the brand provides you, the customer experience does not make you that happy. That is always a risk of the brand over time. Uh, The third thing I think you really need is you need a digital interface that works. Hmm. It represents your brand and it allows customers to, it's essentially the front end of your store and also often your service, a big part of your service component. And if you don't have that interface, a lot of consumers that want that convenience and interface, regardless of what you are big, whether you are big or small, they will discount you. That's it's kind of part of the customer experience, but but it does a lot of, of other things. And I will say, look, if United Airlines and other folks can do uh can can make all that work and retailers can make it all work, ev- ev- they expect everyone to make it work. And they're not comparing you versus uh other companies like you, they're comparing you versus best in class. So one and of the, the things- fourth oh, I'm go sorry, ahead. Go sorry. Ahead. And the fourth thing is the data infrastructure to support all that. Even if it's not really robust, you want a customer database so you can see what they're doing across your business. Okay. So one of the things that I've noticed is, um, it feels like, I should say, that a lot of companies aren't really paying attention to that customer experience aspect. because they're they're really focused on well this is what this is the product or service this is what we said we we're going to deliver and we're delivering it um so sometimes i think it's that they don't really realize how many times and how many ways they're they're touching their customers and and what that is like what would you say to let's say a small business owner who is listening to this and says okay Makes sense to me, but how do I go about figuring that out and make you know figuring out what that customer experience is and making sure that it's good for my customer, my prospect, and my brand? So I think that's a great question. And the first thing I'll say is your your best source of sales is retention. Uh, because you've already paid all the acquisition. And I think companies get really revved up about acquisition and they focus mm-hmm. on that, but they forget that once that consumer is in the pail, a lot of times they leak out and they almost always leak out because they're poached by a competitor or they have a crappy customer experience. There's a lot of ways to measure this, but the first is to look at your repeat purchasers and see how often they come and then just track them in that database I was talking about. The second is you can talk to them and the third is you can you can actually just go through the experience yourself or have your employees do it and and look at where they break down and i'll give you a simple example of you go to mcdonald's and you expect quick service food you know exactly what you're getting with the big mac cuz that's a consistent delivery and fries if you get the fries upside down in the bag that is a terrible experience for you maybe or if they get the order wrong, it's a terrible experience for you because yeah. you're going to drive away and then you're going to realize, oh, my gosh, I got a whatever it is, a fish witch or whatever instead of a Big Mac. And, and now it's not even worth going back, but I'm really mad. I may never go back again. Right. I think companies have a tendency not to pay attention to that, but that is a tremendously consistent thing. And I will also use, you know, the whole you know, when you want the cable company to fix something, how hard it is just to get through to someone that actually can understand your problem and how inconsistent like a Comcast or a Spectrum can be. And when you're done with that call, you still love the TV. You still love the shows. 
You do not love Comcast or Spectrum. No. And if you could get a better choice, you might. Yeah. And and you won't see that until the better choice is available, but then customers will abandon you. And and so to me, that that's really an important thing to pay attention to. And it's extra important for small business. Boy, it really is. And and um I mean, I look at it and I think small business really has an opportunity to differentiate themselves from even the big guys by making sure that they are really tapping into that customer experience. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would in fact say small business has a advantage. They have an advantage because they have a smaller group of customers all time. Also, if they are a local small business or they're a specialized small business, they can actually know their customers personally. And so the customer experience the small business can deliver, I think, is much greater because in addition to being personalized, it can be deeper, a lot deeper. And I, I saw that with a lot of the farmers agents, the the because there was 15,000 of them and the really good ones, they really knew their customer base and they knew which customers, how each customer preferred to be contacted and, and what were the customer hot buttons and uh, most important things. And, and those relationships could stand massive differences in price. Uh, the other thing, a good customer experience can a lot of times overwhelm a price disadvantage. Yeah, that that's a huge point that I think a lot of people don't realize. But a, yeah. a crappy a crappy customer experience often will undermine a price advantage because you'll think it's just not worth it to save yeah. this money. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and also in a competitive small business, it's probably pretty easy for me if I'm a pizza joint or a you know, a, a cleaning service or somewhere else or something localized. I, if there's more than one competitor in there, it's probably pretty easy to find them. And if I give crappy customer service, I won't even know you're leaving until you leave because right. you're not going to give me any warning. Yep. You're just going to be mad. And and I'm thinking I'm winning this because my price is smaller than uh, is less than my competition. And if I'm not paying the customer service, the customer, I am not paying attention to it. The customer there's a, a good chance that really value-driven customers will go, it's just not worth the savings to put up with this bad experience. I'm going to try something else. Yeah, there there really is a point at which it just is not great. So what are some common mistakes that you see small businesses making? I, I guess there's two, I would say, that are important. The first is, the core belief that price is the fundamental driver of all customer behaviors. Mm. And I think I would ask anybody that's listening, do they actually buy the cheapest or least expensive thing in any category? There might be a couple, but my guess is very few of your listeners buy the cheapest beer, go to the cheapest dentist, or buy the cheapest, you know, anything. They buy the best value for them where price is a big part of the equation, but not all. And that concept that price beats value, I think, is a tremendous mistake a lot of uh, companies make um, because nobody goes, very few of your listeners go to the cheapest hotel, take the absolute cheapest flight, drink the cheapest beer or wine, 
or the cheap buy the cheapest toilet paper, I would call it bath tissue. So that's that's mistake one. And I think mistake two is always looking at universal trends and saying, I'm different. And an example of that would be when digital started growing up, you saw a lot of businesses, big and small, say, this is a business for kids, or I I live off of personal relationships. I don't, I'm different. And that is almost always a mistake because those trends are pretty much universal and marketplace-wide. They're not going to localize by business. They're going to overwhelm anything in it in their way. And things like digital, mobile, now I'm going to put big data, data infrastructure, uh, all those things that you're not going to escape them because in the long run, if you don't do it, customers are going to have a, you're going to know your customers worse, you're going to be slower, and you're not going to have the data required or the precision required to compete, whether you're big or you're small. I'm so glad that you said that because I do find a lot of businesses that um, are founded by, you know, I'll say, it's a generalization, but I'll say, you know, like baby boomers who oftentimes push back against these changes and improvements or, you know, whatever you want to call them um, and try and convince themselves that their customers don't want that sort of access. And they miss out on a whole world of up and coming customers. Yes. And then they get beat. But the the other thing is they don't have any practice. It's often technology-based, but they don't have any practice with it. And a lot of these tools take a while for you to understand them. And and look, I, I watched this in insurance industry, and I'll give you two examples. First, when Progressive and Geico really were starting, their whole thing was we should just standardize and standardize this, automate it, put it basically on the web. Yeah. Um, And the insurance industry said kind of, well, look, that is a digital thing. It it will never replace agents. It will never do anything like this. And they let Progressive and Geico go into grow into massive businesses. And what they did is they tried to defend against this by buying smaller direct uh, to consumer businesses which didn't help their big brands. And then they all decided, oh my gosh, I got I to gotta catch these folks. But it was too late. They'd gobbled up literally tens of billions of dollars of market share by then. Yeah. You also saw this with the local agents who said, look, I'm from, especially if they had inherited an agency from their parents or whatever, they could say, look, it's different for me. I live in this town. Everybody knows everybody. It's not going to be digital here like that. But the sad fact is it is. And if you think back on how much digital you were using 20 years ago and how much you do now, what you see is that wasn't a, that was a consumer driven business trend that just provided better value to customers. It didn't matter what business you were in airlines, retail, insurance, financial services, check cashing remotely. It didn't matter what you are. That was going to happen. And I see a lot of small businesses not want to investigate that or say they'll hire a kid from college and let them do the summer intern job, you know, fix my digital. 
not a really great plan. Um, I mean, you see, I'm sure you see that all over. Or you know, I'm, I'm going to go to automated billing, or I got to I got to get uh, you know, automated payments in, uh, and I I just don't want to do that. I still have to do it by mail. That kind of stuff. It it over time, it's just no good, and it adds cost to you, whether you're big or small. Yeah, yeah, that's that that is great. Um, I I love that. I think that it is tremendously valuable. Um, Boy, and I was thinking of something. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with a purpose and a passion, whether you're 25, 85, or any age in between. Gain actionable financial and mindset tips from your favorite authors, podcasters, and influencers to help you reach that exciting next chapter. Listen now and start building your path to financial freedom and reframing what retirement can mean to you. This is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. Um... So how would you suggest that a small business um, embrace not only the digital, but that whole data end? I think that that was the other thing that I really wanted to talk about, because that feels like something that is overwhelming for a lot of small business owners. And and I agree with you. I, I think it's critically important, but I don't even think they know where to start. So do you have any yeah. ideas? I do. And I, I think you can do some kind of customer database, even on an Excel spreadsheet. And I think if you don't have a customer database where you're tracking customer sales behavior and repeat, and then ideally preferences, you're probably going to lose out to somebody that does. So let's just say you run a restaurant and you actually have a database and you have a thousand people that come in that restaurant, uh, you know, for whatever time period you're looking at. If I actually have a database and I know when you come um, and then I see that you're not coming, I can actually call you or send you a coupon or, you know, you know, invite you to a specific event to keep you coming. Or I can call you up and say, hey, did you have a bad time or what's happening? If I don't have that, I don't know you're not coming until you've put loyalty into another restaurant. If I have a super advanced database and I see that Diane has come to my restaurant every Friday for 30 times every year for three years, I might lock down a little customer loyalty thing by sending you a bottle of whatever you've drunk the most of or whatever you like the best on, on your anniversary date when you come to the restaurant. And believe me, you will remember that forever. Absolutely. That someone actually was paying that kind of attention to you. Yeah. And you will that that is a, a, a really big deal. Um and that kind of thing, that's really basic database. You can then start putting in, you know, search, search words and tracking and, and everything else to find out where am I getting my customers from from a local standpoint, or is mail beating digital? is sponsoring the Little League team, driving any of my 
uh, clients, and that kind of database helps to spend money at better. Um, but it also allows you to look at at customer behavior as it's attached to your acquisition efforts and and your loyalty efforts. And I think the last thing it does is all customers are not equal. And you want to know which ones are your best customers. You know, everyone wants to get great service and you should provide that to everyone. But losing one of your best customers, like we just talked about Diane coming 30 times a year to my restaurant. If Diane leaves and the average customer only comes twice a year, I have to find 15 new customers to replace Diane. I am really going to pay a lot of attention to Diane's behavior and track her because losing her requires so much effort on the top line, on the top line acquisition to do that both sales overnight and brand over time. Because the chances are Diane has been bringing people to the restaurant and telling her family about it. When she drops out, it's not just her. She's dropping out a lot of people. So that allows me to see my most valuable customers and track them. I I think that is such a great example. And um, as you were talking about it, I was thinking, you know, small business owners need to understand they're going to spend money marketing one way or another, and they should be spending it in the way that has the greatest impact. And this sort of personalization of their marketing and, and really drilling down and knowing as much as you can about your customers is probably uh, less of an investment than going out there and doing, you know, the basic of what everyone is telling you you should be doing and not even knowing whether you're getting results from it. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with that. And I also think um, it's not really that different than what you do intuitively, particularly as a small business, which is small businesses have a tendency, at least my experience has been, to know their clients pretty well. This is just a formalization of that. And it's a lot like the digital example I was giving before, which is digital didn't depersonalize Mm-mm. business. It just made it easier for customers and companies to transact um, on stuff that they didn't really have. That, that was basically just the oil that keeps the transaction and the relationship running. Like, should I have to really come into your office to pay a bill? Or should I really have to come into your office? Um, you know, to schedule something or call you. Can I just do it online and you can, it can be a lot faster. You can put your calendar up. I can schedule my appointment. I can do it from my phone or whatever. That's not depersonalization. That is just giving people back time. You still are going to see the patient or cut somebody's hair uh, in person. It's all the other stuff that digital saved everybody's time. That to me is what data, the next level for me of what data is, which is, geez, you know, the better I know you, the more I can custom my approach to you, which is already what I'm doing, but it just, the data just formalizes it and let me see, lets me see patterns and lets me see problems earlier. And isn't it then so that I'm making uh, meaningful decisions about how to engage with you. Cause I, I hear what you're saying about, you know, digital didn't depersonalize it. And I agree with that, except in the case where a small business owner or even a, a big business says, okay, well, we're just going to do this thing because it's more efficient. 
It's more cost-effective for us without even paying attention to whether it's working for even the majority of their customers, let alone individuals. I think this is a super good point because if you put up a crappy website, it actually is eating your brand alive. You just won't know it. Yeah. I mean, you just won't know. And here's an example. If you, if I'm in a small area and you make me type in my country, because a bunch of people <laughs> buy stuff off the shelf. And if you maybe like, let's say I'm in the middle of Nebraska and you make me type in my country for my address. I know you have bought something off the shelf that absolutely stinks. And I have to scroll through Antigua and all these other places to get the United States of America to put in the address thing. Immediately, you are losing points with any digitally savvy customer. And and it's not it's not that you didn't try. It's that you didn't care. Um, you didn't care enough to, to think, is this actually the best digital experience I can get right now? Which is worse. It's worse because it says... I just painted, I just put lipstick on a pig and I put the pig out there for you. And nobody wants, you know, and that is the the other thing. And I go back to the small business mistake is uh, nobody is, you do not go to digital or retail or anywhere and say, I am now looking at customer service or the digital interface through the lens of a single industry. You th- you are looking at it through the best in class. And so an example was Amazon has changed everybody's expectation on how easy it is to search and shop. True. When you leave Amazon and you go to some small retailer website and you go into search and you're trying to find something like bedding or blouses or something, and it does not show up very well, you don't go, oh, I'm comparing this to all the small betting stores in the country. You say, oh my God, this sucks versus Amazon. And it's not, it doesn't matter what's true or whether or not you have the same money as Amazon or anything else. That's how the consumer sees it. And actually that's how every one of your listeners sees it for every product that isn't theirs. (laughs) I'm just saying that's true. Like, look, if, if it takes me, a half order or half hour to order pizza online and and then the pizza isn't delivered in 30 minutes i don't say oh if you you know i say well look what's the fastest pizza what's the average pizza delivery i should expect and how hard should it be and you, you don't give a break because oh it's a local pizzeria so i have different standards you don't have any different standards no you you meet every business now with the same expectations that you have for everywhere. And if you go to the airport and someone didn't have automated check or online check-in, if one airline said, well, because I'm a local airline, I can't do an automated check-in, you would say, hey, no way. Or if, you know, just no way. Yeah. And um, and it, and you just lose points. And that's the brand over time losing points like crazy. Uh, while insisting that people see them differently, but they don't. Yeah, oh, I, I love those examples. This is so true, and I love what you said about you know we 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 expect this from all the brands you know, but ours, and so that's really what you and I are talking about is turn the camera around and look at your company and hold it to the same standard because that's what your customers are doing. You're you are never. Well, I won't say never because never is such a strong word. It is very rare that you are an exception 
on the customer experience or the yeah. customer interface level. You may have a lot more value because they personally know you. But in the end, if the marketplace passes you by, you will lose. Yeah. And one of the ways the marketplace passes you by is you assume that relationship is actually more important over time than the delivery of the, the brand and the customer experience. And over time, it is not. Mm. Uh, you know, if, if look, if you have the cheapest haircuts and you deliver me crappy haircuts, I'm going to leave. If I come home and my friends go, Mike, you look like you look terrible, even worse than normal. Over time, I, I'm going to probably try a new place. Yeah. But on the other hand, if, if you insist on making me schedule or making you meet in your office for certain things that we could do over line online, you're actually get, making me spend my most, one of my most valuable commodities, which is time. And you're insisting that your way of doing is better than the marketplace is saying it wants to be done. Ah. That will stand over time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a great way of putting it. Look, I mean, if you're if you're a restaurant, you're competing with Uber Eats and everything else, and you say, you know, I'm not going to take any online orders. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going <laughs> to do that. Okay, great. You, that may work for you, but over time, it's going to cost you some customers. Definitely. Um, and you watch the taxi cabs insist Uber wasn't going to work, and right. it's like that was that was you know that was a lot of small and bigger businesses saying. You know, this thing is its stupid. It's not going to work. People aren't going to like it. But the value was better and it was faster in a lot of cities. And so that kind of thing, it's just unstoppable. And the idea that you're going to stop it, even if you're a big business, but surely if you're a small business, it's crazy. You yeah. won't stop it. It's a marketplace trend. And you have to pay attention to those things and try to be on the front end of them, not wait to make sure it's something that's you know it passes you by at least be in the middle yeah like don't be on the back end because the back end look if you can be on the front end that's great but you know a lot of businesses don't have time to be on the front end of everything yeah. and they want to see it working but you should not be on the in the back third or 40 percent of this because two things will happen you'll miss the next evolution of the technology or the application layer and two, you won't have any practice. So let's say there's two small businesses and one has been working on digital and big data for three years. And they're they're not seeing that much in it, but they've, they've got an infrastructure now and they could start personalizing things to customers. And, you know, we know Diane, we, we now can see our top Diane's coming to our restaurant and we are sending them. And sometimes we're starting to work this a little harder and we're improving our loyalty. So less customers are leaving us. I have two years of practice. The restaurant that just starts that or is farming this out to an intern from the local college for the last two summers has no practice. Nobody knows how to use that database. And then when the second layer of how to use this data comes out, you are two layers behind. And all the learning that someone else has on you is gone. I mean, you can't catch up. Mm -hmm. The data, you have two years of lost data, two years of practice, two years of studying your customers, it's gone. You can't make up that time. It's like if we were working out for a marathon or what, and I practice for two months and you don't practice at all, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to beat you in the marathon. Right. Uh, there, This is no different. 
Yeah, boy, that, that is a great point. Mike, I, I really appreciate this information and this conversation. I think it's been great. I think um, it is really valuable for the listeners. So thank you so much for that. Can you let them know how they can find you? Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's just Mike Linton uh, or CMO Confidential is the podcast I, I'm doing with Evergreen. Um, and my Twitter handle is Michael A. Linton. Uh, and uh, I'm happy to connect with anybody that wants to connect. And Diane, it's been a pleasure to be on the show. And uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in, and I know you have a lot of small business customers and or listeners, and I'm a big believer that that is one of the things that drives the country. So uh, I, it, it was great to be here. And thanks for thanks for the time. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.